Welcome to the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Kathy Humphrey, President of Carlo University, as our guest. Well, Dr. Kathy Humphrey, it is so great to have you here today. Thank you so much. And I'll tell you, so one of the areas I want to start off with right away is, um, you know, I've talked to a number of presidents that talk about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And another word that I hear oftentimes is belonging. So can you talk about the importance of those four elements in leading a university? Sure. Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, so I guess let's start out with all of the, the, let's just break it down from, um, each of the terms that you're using. So diversity often speaks to the difference that exists, right? Amongst individuals. Um, diversity has no beginning and no ending. Um, and we are all a part of that, which we are calling diversity. Then, um, Equity is that opportunity for us to ensure that everybody has uh, an equal opportunity, not not being equal, but uh, having an opportunity to do the same kind of work uh, from their position, right? Yeah. And then the whole notion of inclusion is providing a space where everyone feels uh valued in that space. But then this whole notion of belonging uh, brings up the issue of whether or not you value uh, the diversity, equity, and inclusion to a point where you care not only about that I'm at the party, but you have given me some opportunities to connect to the party. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes there is you, you can have the diversity, you can have the inclusion, but if you invite me to a party and, or, and you don't care whether I have a good time at the party or not, because you haven't taken into, con- in, into consideration what it means for me to be a part of the party, does it matter that I was included? Mm, yeah. Does it matter? Because right. really and truthfully, I'm there, but I'm still very much invisible. Right. And so that I gain a sense of belonging that you found out what kind of music I liked. You found out uh, what uh, types of food that I enjoy. And you made sure that I indeed was going to be uh, comfortable at the party. But not only that, you gave me some opportunity to have some ownership in the party. Because the belonging is about the ownership, right? That I'm not just there. I, I'm, I'm not just your guest. I'm a part of who you are. And so much a part that you included me uh, to a point where I'm, I'm not just there, but I have, I am a part owner of, of the entity. Oh, so absolutely. Of course, I feel like I belong. Right. I am cared about enough uh, in the space that I feel that sense of connection, that sense of belonging that, you know, not only do you respect me, but you want me. Absolutely. And, you know, being the president 
uh, of Carlo University. I know that that you know one of your key missions and key drivers is to really it, it is shared governance. You know, is serving the faculty and the staff and the students, et cetera. So maybe taking that what we just talked about, ensuring that um, that individuals you know feel like they belong. How do you how do you impress upon uh, you know th those words to to Carlo? Well, I'm very fortunate at Carlo because you know the very mission of Carlo uh, is to create a more just and merciful world, and we do that by um, the graduates that we send into the world. The very our very mission is uh, a social justice mission. And so uh, here, that does not become a um, an issue of concern or contention because we all came here knowing that that was the work that we signed up to do. So that makes a little bit easier. Now, you know, if you talk about shared governance, really, again, you're talking about making sure that everybody feels like they have a voice. Um, and shared governance is not shared decision-making. Shared governance is um, shared knowledge. And it is it means that we all have a, a good understanding of why decisions are made and how they are made and why they are made before they are made. So again, uh, it's about you know, how do we make sure that everybody feels like they belong and that they are connected to the entity? It, this, this is a university where we all belong. And this is a university where we are, we are connected in the work. So how do we make sure that, uh, those things that we say about ourselves are true, are indeed true? And how do we do that? Right. Uh, we do that by, um, once a month, we have, uh, uh, not once a month, but on, on a, a bi-monthly basis, we have something we call University Council, where we literally share information about what's going on in the various entities, the faculty, staff, and students all share. That's called shared. Shared Shared means, you know, this is a circle. It, it Just like diversity, it, it has no beginning and no ending, right? We are in a constant state of, of communicating or sharing with one another. Um, you know, I do the state of the university address uh, once a year so so that I'm sure that everybody is uh, understands where we're going and what what we're trying to accomplish. Um, I oftentimes uh, try to make a point of at least once a week going and sitting uh, in the dining halls to hear from the students um, so that indeed I am aware of what the issues are from that standpoint. Every year I go to every single unit and um, and I just listen, listen, and um, and I learn how do we make ourselves better? How do we make ourselves stronger? And so listening is a huge point of, of shared governance and not only listening, but acting up on what you've heard. Absolutely. So uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about, about you and, and your journey. I'd love to learn about the mentors that helped shape help shape who, who you've become today. So, you know, um, so I am, I have um, 11 siblings and I would say to you that each of them have uh, been um, a part of my journey and instructive to who I am today. Uh, you know, I'm number 10 
which meant uh, everybody gave me great opportunities to uh, be persuasive in my arguments. And uh, they gave me opportunities to fight for what I believed was good and right at a very early age. So all of them have have assisted me in in this um, in where I am today. My parents, my parents' commitment to education, and even though I'm a first generation student, um, uh, my parents had a deep commit, uh, commitment uh, to education. So much so that they moved their family from the deep south during the Great Migration uh, to uh, the Midwest with the hopes of escaping some of the Jim Crow laws that inhibited their children from getting an education. And so uh, that move has had an, um, a dramatic impact on where I sit today because of their commitment, because of, of their sacrifices uh, as just humans, their sacrifices uh, have a great deal of, of, of where I sit uh, in this seat. I couldn't be here without their commitment to uh, making sure I had an opportunity uh, to get an education, even though I have something that they could only hope for. Um, I am sure my parents who are um, in heaven uh, are up there in amazement that I would be in a situation like that, especially when you think about the fact that I'm only two generations from slavery. Uh, and it, when you think about it from that standpoint, this is quite um, miraculous on their, their front. Uh, but I am grateful that of that opportunities. And then um, I have been so blessed to have people all along my journey that have um, helped me to see what I could be and helped me to become who I wanted to become. And there is a whole litany of those people uh, that uh, I, I can tell you from the beginning of my career until this very day, there are people who mentor me, who, who give me advice, who help me open doors uh, and who make a way for me, who have spoke on my behalf in spaces and places where I have not been. Um, that I uh, know that without uh, all of their assistance, I, I would not be where I am right now or where I'm going to be in the future. Mm -hmm. So now, did you did you plan to be a university president? Well, um, so that's an interesting question, right? So when I was a little girl, my plan was to be a school teacher. And I became that. Uh, and uh, teaching school was, uh, playing school was my favorite activity as a little girl. Uh, and when nobody would play with me, I played alone. And I had pretend students. And uh, I gave them homework. And I taught them uh, until one day students appeared in the chairs. So my initial goal was to become a school teacher. Then um, when I got to college, I realized there was a whole nother line of work that I had no idea about, and that is this work in higher education. And so I began the journey of working in higher education. Initially, my, I had no thoughts of being a president initially, but by the time I reached, um, uh, for me, uh, by the time I reached a point where I was serving as a uh, associate vice president, 
uh, it was at that point that I thought, I believe that I can be a president. And I believe I can make an even greater impact from that position. And so I began down the journey of doing the work that needed to be done in order to to prepare to be a college president. Uh, so what was your dissertation about? Do you, what, what was that topic? So my dissertation is uh, how administrators can help students find their purpose. Hmm. Okay. So my whole life has been about young people mm-hmm. and about students, not necessarily just young people, especially now. But it has been about helping them find their way, uh, creating, uh, you know, creating platforms for them to soar from and runways for them to to use in order to get to where they want to get to uh, has been my my life's call, my life's mission. And uh, and I'm thrilled to do this work every single day. Well, and and. I would imagine, too, as a as a first generation student yourself, I know that Carlo has over 40 percent first generation today. That must be uh, quite an influence. I would imagine that you would have on parents and students to talk about your journey and that, hey, you know, I can do it. I was first generation. I can help guide you to that to that degree and that that life that you deserve. I mean, what kind of message do you share with parents and students based on your experience? Well, you know, uh, being first generation has a lot of iterations, right? Um, I'm fortunate enough to have come from a, a, a family where education was very valued, right? But a lot of first generation students don't come from that uh, uh, place. And um, they may come from a place where one student, one parent was supportive, but the other one was not supportive of, or they may come from a situation where they are foster children or where they're homeless. It's it. Th- this is a very wide, broad group of individuals who all of our stories are different, right? Uh, for me, I can remember, I remember my not really knowing how we were going to pay for um, my last semester of school. And I remember my mom saying to me, you know what, Kathy, let's don't worry about it. If I have to scrub floors, we are going to get you to the finish line. And I I, I share that story because um, you never know what you're going to have to do to get a student to the finish line. But I have a great commitment to getting all my students, whether they're Pell eligible or not, uh, because my non-Pell eligible students need support in getting to the finish line too, because you can't make the assumption because they're not first generation or they're not from families that or are economically challenged that they don't need support because that's not true either, right? But young people need support. And uh, what I will tell, what I tell incoming classes uh, here is that, A, if you come to Carlo, A, we're going to care about you. First and foremost, we're going to care about you. We are going to love you. We are going to treat you with dignity and respect. And we are going to do everything we can to get you to the finish line. Because being enrolled and admitted is only step one. It is not the final step. And oftentimes, that's all we talk to you know 18-year-olds about is getting into college. No, we should be always talking to them about getting out of college. So we talk about that. I talk about how this, the faculty here are so committed to their success. 
and how our students talk about how our faculty are committed to their success. I talk about how um, uh, the opportunities that they will have here to grow and learn and become. And, 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 and my hope is that, that they leave Carlo, of course, being successful, but, but my greatest hope for them is that they leave here committed to playing a significant role first in their own families and then in maybe the places where they stand. And some of them will play a significant role even in our world. That's, that's what I, uh, count as success. When you understand to much, to whom much is given, much is required. And that only 24, 25% of the population have a college degree in this country. And whether you have one or whether you do not have one, your value uh, is the same uh, because we play this country and these spaces from different positions. And these, these degrees are just tools. They are not who we are. They are tools that we use to make the world better. So how do you engage local community and businesses to support career readiness? And you all are in in Pittsburgh. So what, what how, how do you how do you engage that that community to help? So I'm constantly talking with various companies about what do you need? What do you need? Uh, we just created a quality assurance certificate because I was at a breakfast of innovators who said, you know what, Kathy, what we need is a quality assurance certificate. We need people to help us to get the science from the lab to the market. But we need somebody who really understands all the regulations and all the rules of what it takes to do the translation. And so we recently created a certificate to do just that. Um, we recently, you know, I, I was talking to the hospitals and saying, you know, tell me what kind of nurses that you need. I, I, I prepare B, BSNs or RNs. What kind do you need? And they said, we need all kinds. And so, uh, so we are in the fall opening up an LPN program so that we can help the marketplace, uh, quicker. So in 16 months, we'll put out a, a, a cadre, uh, a cohort of, of, nurses that have been trained and the first step of nursing, really the second step of nursing, that will help um, us with the challenge that we have today with uh, with nursing. We do, we're doing the same thing with surgical techs. Many surgeries have been canceled because there's not a surgical technician. We're opening up a surgical technician program in the fall. So we are trying to respond to the needs Constantly, I am constantly asking those in the marketplace already, what do you need and how can I help you create it? Uh, Highmark Whole Care, we created a certificate for um, their entry level professionals to do, to have a better understanding of the business of healthcare uh, because they're on the front lines. So, um, so we use those companies to help us design what they need. Uh, to uh, to respond to the market. Well, and and, I, and oftentimes you hear that the the best marketing that a school could have is an alum that speaks about the great experiences that he or she had at the institution and the life that the institution and the people helped create. How how are you engaging alumni today? 
So that's a very interesting question. And uh, from that standpoint, but uh, I am constantly in the community and constantly, uh, you know, finding opportunities for me to engage with our alum in that community. And uh, we, of course, we do, we do everything that everybody else does with our alum. We have events. Uh, we are getting ready right now to uh, go on a trip to Ireland with our alumni. Uh, it, you know, I, we travel to various cities uh, to have events with the alumni. So we do many of the things that most universities do with their alumni. But, uh, you know, there, there are days where I'm simply making calls. Uh, to alumni, to engage them, uh, and to connect them to Carlo, keep them connected to Carlo. But that is an area where, where I'm really trying to strengthen at Carlo is to get our alumni, uh, reignited and, and united back to Carlo. Absolutely. So oftentimes you hear about lifelong learning, right? Our, our education continues well beyond, uh, secondary education and post-secondary education. So, so I wanted to ask you, how do you make sure that you're continuing to sharpen the saw, so to speak? You know, I mean, is, are there books you read? Are there, you know, a legislation that you keep up on, conversations you have? How do you continue to educate yourself as the president? Mm-hmm. So you don't really have a choice in that matter. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I am constantly... Uh, Look, I'm constantly grabbing information from all kinds of places, right? Uh, from, you know, the newspaper, from, um, um, you know, uh, conferences. Uh, I just got back from a conference uh, that was really all around uh, talking with uh, state and federal uh, lawmakers around the issues of higher education, uh, keeping up with what is uh, the new regs. Uh, that um, that we have to be aware of in order to to run a an institution. So I don't really have a choice. I have to keep up with uh, information, and I have to continue to train myself and to educate myself around the issues. Right now, I'm reading a book called the uh, called the Invisible Child because we are getting ready to start a program specifically for foster care and homeless children uh, or homeless youth not children, youth. And uh, that book is really all about what's it like to be raised as a homeless youth. And I, I have to have a, a clean, a clear understanding of what that life may be like so that when I'm responding and we're creating programs to support that young person, uh, that, 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 that I'm in tune about uh, what are actually the desires and the needs and what has that person engaged with or have uh, their experience been like? So it's constant. It's routine. It's it's all the time. It's all the time. You know, even on my own campus, you know, I, I meet with faculty and staff to educate myself. I meet with students to educate myself. And it's constant. Well, absolutely. And you've already told many ways as far as how Carlo competes in, in a very competitive market, you know, especially in the Northeast, but then take into account nationwide, you know, and that also take into account, you know, residential experiences for students, online experiences, hybrid. So what are some of the ways, in addition to what you've mentioned, you know, how does Carlo compete and, and thrive in such a challenging market? 
Yeah, we're really fortunate. You know, we're we are one of the few schools that in the midst of a decrease in enrollment, we've seen growth. And I'm just uh, so pleased uh, that I can report that we've had uh, two years of growth uh, when when so many institutions and nationally um, the uh, there has been um, a decline in enrollment. So I will tell you that responding to the market is is important and understanding that uh, what we are providing to students that we are looking, what's the labor, what's the Bureau of Labor saying we need to provide? And we've created four programs uh, and, and implemented all four of those programs. Uh, and each one of them, the, 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 um, um, Bureau of Labor said, this is an area where we're going to need more help. And so we created a PA program, a, a speech language and pathology program, an occupational therapy program, and, uh, um, um, rehabilitation, um, um, program. Uh, because those are markets where we need more assistance. I told you about some other programs that we're putting on the ground as well. And I think that has a lot to do with our growth is that how we're responding to the market. We're not sitting back and saying what we've always done, we can keep doing because we can't. The, 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 uh, the needs are changing. And even the things that we are doing, we have to look at, you know, it used to be a time where you had a communications major. That, that means something totally different today than when I was in school um, 40 years ago. <laughs> it always kills me when I say that. I'm thinking like, that hey, time flies. Time flies. <laughs> you know, but that's something totally different because, you know, we didn't have social media, right? But social media is a part of our world. Now we have to teach people about digital media. And uh, and we have to prepare them for a world that they're going into that will cause them to have an understanding of how that works. Did you? Um, so changing the enterprise, responding to the change in the enterprise is, um, is what we're trying to do every day and what we're asking our question of, what are we doing today that we no longer need to do because it's no longer needed? Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. So, Carlo University in five years. I know you have your five-year strategic plan. Where do you see the institution in five years? I guess, other than being what a year closer to your uh, your your one hundred year anniversary, is that right? Right, that's right. So, uh, you know, my prayer is that we will continue to be an institution that's committed to our vision and our mission, that that won't change, right? It may, we may be doing things a little bit differently, but our commitment to creating career-ready, ethical leaders who are committed to creating a more just and merciful world, I hope in five years we're still doing that and that we are doing it in even more intimate and intense ways. Ultimately, uh, uh, oftentimes I hear people talk about um, the difference that our nurses uh, make uh, in hospitals. But one of those differences is that not only our nurses, but all of our students, we talk about mercy. We talk about compassion. We talk about um, uh, uh, what we are supposed to do for our fellow man. 
And uh, I think that's, a, that's something that's different here, right? And that we are, we are a faith-based institution. So uh, uh, I, I hope that's the same, right? Um, you know, in a, in a physical way, I, I hope that our, I hope that we have begun our, um, our, well, we, by five years, we should be almost done with our, our um, capital improvements that we've created a world-class early learning program and uh, a, a, a brand new campus school and um, uh, that we have uh, developed um, some new curriculum that's responding, that's keeping in touch with the market. I hope that's all there. I hope we're stronger, that we've, uh, that we've developed some stronger partnerships um, with uh, the community. I hope we've done our part to make Pittsburgh a better place for Blacks, um, as that's an issue here. Um, not only just, uh, and I, I bring that up because Pittsburgh has been deemed as a, a, a city that's very difficult for Blacks to thrive in. And I feel like as a mission of our institution, we have some responsibility to assist in that um, in that work to make us better on that front. I hope we can say that. Um, and I hope that what we've done is create an institution that can thrive for another hundred years. I often say, I often say that when I have, have, have died and I am with Jesus, I hope I can look down and say, Jesus, look out, look how well Carlo's doing. And he and I can uh, have a good laugh and feel really good about the progress that they're even making long after I'm no longer on the planet. Well, absolutely. Well, Dr. Kathy Humphrey, thank you. I feel like we, we could talk all day. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you for joining the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. For more information on the series, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.